if you look back in the history of boxing, there's really only been like one other person that was undefeated that was ever talked about as, as a heavyweight, uh, Rocky Marciano. Everybody else that you've heard about in boxing has lost. Muhammad Ali lost. Mike Tyson lost. Every other fighter in the world has lost. And part of their stories and part of like the their legacy is how did they bounce back from that loss? Mayweather romanticized this whole zero and I'm undefeated and blah, blah, blah. So anytime somebody lost, like it was just thought of like, oh, well, they're washed up. And I was just like, what? I was just like, there have been plenty of fighters that have lost multiple times and have come back, become better. But to people, like they just look at it as well. He didn't finish the job. He didn't, he didn't, you know, get the championship. People are just like, oh, he's washed up or Tycho's washed up. Who go double perfect sim at Evo, you know, those kind of situations. And I'm just like, well, now, you know, I'm more intrigued by like, well, what's Daigo going to do next? How's he going to come back from this? podcast yes welcome this is episode 49 my name is benny and as always i'm joined by my co-host john who is part-time who was part-time to part-time player and is now full-time player <laughs> yep full-time going, player i'm doing doing good i uh i think i i, I was thinking about it and i kind of want to pull back the veneer on the on this episode a little bit we are pre-taping it because i will be out of town next tuesday uh, so this this episode is being taped uh, like right before the the Tucson tournament that's happening this Saturday. We won't we don't know the results of the Tucson tournament, but uh, this is pre-taped and it will be airing shortly after. So congratulations to whoever won that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So what were we going to talk about on this on this episode in particular, John? So. No guests today. Uh, we're going to talk through, it was just the two of us because uh, we wanted to talk through the roles of a TO and roles of a player and kind of how both Benny and I have background and experience in each of those roles and we've kind of gravitated to different ones uh, over the years here. And uh, especially with Street Fighter VI coming out, uh, we've kind of carved out specific roles nowadays. So, uh, my my path has been to be a player. Uh, I decided I didn't want to run any tournaments anymore. I was running a lot of Street Fighter V locals, um, but when it came to six, I decided I would not run anything. Um, and uh, by and large, the community has, you know, uh, the Street Fighter community in particular has continued to to grow and blossom under the tutelage of a lot of other uh, TOs. So, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, at the end of or I guess the later years of five, like, you know, you were kind of the, I guess the, the head player of our scene. Um, and, you know, pretty much the only one other than maybe like the gaming zone that was spearheading any kind of like tournaments and stuff that were going on. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of drop off in terms of players and stuff like that. Um, you know, I know 
you know, there would be Street Fighter Five at other events like Undefeated, and you know, I'd I'd help out at those kind of things. Like that was kind of my way of kind of giving back to the community because because I wasn't playing at that point, like in the later years of Street Fighter Five. But like, if there was some event going on, then I'd be like, hey, if you need some help running stuff, just let me know. You know, I got a good good rapport with uh, Angelic with Armando, so you know, I was a you know he he gave me the reins to to basically be the head TO for Street Fighter Five for his event. And you know that's that was my way of kind of staying involved in the in the scene as well, and you know just helping out the community. Yeah, i I think it's the you know we've we talked about our like greater backgrounds as tos and how you used to run tournaments in Alaska, and I used to run tournaments uh, in like two thousand and nine or sorry two thousand and thirteen or so uh, yeah. for for the Street Fighter Four era. But yeah, our recent events uh, like. You can tell a lot of them were impacted pretty heavily by the pandemic. Um, yeah. I, you, it's funny that you mentioned Armando. We had we had him on the show uh, dozens of episodes ago at this point, but yeah. uh, he he mentioned that like the it's it's not just locals they get killed by the pandemic, and it's not even not just majors. It's those mid those mid tier regional events that mm-hmm. were hurt the most by the pandemic because they didn't have the resources of the big guys, and they had it, they didn't have the lower costs of the of the little guys. And so, yeah. um, like I felt like everybody who was involved in undefeated basically got taken out of the game for a couple of years. Cause there was just, there was no way to run that tournament, um, given yeah. all the restrictions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's, that, that was something I didn't really anticipate personally, uh, just thinking about that. But then like you saw like the announcements from some of these like smaller events that, you know, they just couldn't, couldn't handle being run anymore. Uh, yeah. just like you said, cause it's like, you know, at least the big majors, you can almost guarantee attendance to a certain extent at those places because people want to go to those those major events but a lot of these little side events it's like do i have the spare money to go like you know do i know people over there those kind of things like those are those are taking uh people's decisions or other things are taken into account when people make decisions to go to those events it's not like okay you know what i'm just gonna go to texas like for what like well i wanted to go to this well why don't you save money for one of the bigger ones or this other one or go to something that's closer. Yeah. And like those regional events, a lot of times they have to offset like the, because they don't have the same buying power, I guess, as, as like the big dogs do. Like they, they, they're like deals with their venues and stuff are often sweetheart deals or because they're local to the area and you know, they're getting, they're doing what they can there. But like, it's, that's, that's the stuff that usually goes first when it comes to like hardships in the market. Um, the, the sweetheart deals and so i think a lot of them uh a lot of those regional majors just aren't coming back uh because it just yeah. it's too expensive and they they ate too much uh, uh in penalties and whatnot of having to, having to cancel events over the course of the pandemic so uh it's it's a big bummer um i think that uh it's we're, we're at a weird spot now where like online has basically taken the role of both local and regional events but locals we can still like preach the grassroots side of it but regional like i don't know i don't really know where those fit in in the in the new ecosystem that's arisen here yeah but like i mean it kind of goes back to like what i just said was like you know when it comes to regionals like you're you're asking somebody to to take on a cost to go you know travel just a little bit further outside their circle right so it's like we're in arizona and it's like hey do you want to go to washington do you want to go to texas to this place and i'm you know that that involves buying a plane ticket and, and more money invested versus 
inviting somebody to a local it's just like yeah can you just get out your house and drive you know 30 minutes maybe if that like that's a that's a different you know sacrifice you got to make and something that i think more people are willing to do than than to travel and you know buy a plane ticket yeah so i guess we talked a lot about like where we're currently at uh, and where we're where we're drifting towards at the very least and i was curious about um I, I maybe we, we should talk about a little bit about why uh the the why is not just the what here so you know what what's what got you to to bring yourself back after the pandemic here benny like what what's what's drawing you to the to role nowadays um i don't know i, I think i said years ago i posted something saying like i didn't choose the to life the to life kind of chose me and yeah. it was just one of those things where it's just like when I originally did it, it was it was out of necessity. It was out of kind of a selfish need to want to get things to run, run faster, you know, run a tighter ship and not be so lax, right? For people to take things more seriously, and you know, at that time, I felt like I accomplished that. And then when I moved down here, um, you know, I didn't run anything myself initially. It was just like I was basically kind of in that player role because I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate because of work and stuff like that, and. It wasn't until like the later years of like uh, Street Fighter Four and stuff like that where I was just like, okay, well, okay, now I can run events or Street Fighter Five, yeah, well, either one, both of them, or I can, I can do something, and I don't know. I've always felt like that's that's kind of like in some ways like my calling besides playing because I feel like a lot of people kind of have, you know, something else in them, whether it's commentating or whether it's, um, I don't know what else you would say. TOing or just event any planning. other kind of job. Yeah, event planning. Promotion. Or, yeah, promotion. You know, or being, you know, or they could just be the, the the player that's involved in in some of these like exhibition events and things like that. Like everybody kind of has their own little roles and maybe other little things that they want to do in the community besides just playing. And I felt for me like that's always just been being the being a TO or helping run brackets or do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. I, I, yeah, like I, I also see people like another role that I see commonly is uh, the tech specialist, like like mm-hmm. uh, people who are really good at fixing arcade sticks, or people who are really good at uh, troubleshooting computers and you know helping helping the community in that way. People who stream, um, and like they their their job is just to show up and stream. You know, uh, being at at DTN. Uh, a couple last week or a couple weeks ago at this point, um, you know, there's a whole production team that is putting that on, uh, and 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 so like, I just it, it's changed a lot. I think since since yeah. we were we were uh, we were doing it because like I I remember trying to do everything myself, and obviously <laughs> I burnt myself out, but like I would do everything myself, get frustrated, and then ask for help and then those folks would help um and so like i found myself slowly like doing less and less as a to and more as like a promotion person like i was really good at social media posts i think (laughs) Uh, to the point like i I think i'm a decent writer i think that's probably where most of the most of that comes from is that i gravitate more towards that than the actual like event stuff and uh, planning and whatnot but I don't know. It was weird. Weird. Like it, it taught me like a lot of basic leadership skills. Uh, despite not really yeah. feeling like a leader at, a lot of times, because you know you're kind of doing it in service to the community. Um, and I, you know, I built up an ego as a tournament organizer too, of course. But like, 
uh, a lot of a lot of things about like you know an event is a complex set of different problems that need to be solved and the solutions come at different timings throughout the day that you then need to like have everything coalesce together and that in turn like having that big picture uh feeling or that the, the knowledge of the big picture rather uh kind of helped a lot in a lot of ways like in my own my, my day job and my career too I, I learned a lot about how to communicate with people i learned a lot about how to think uh in a macro level so to speak um, yeah and it's a it's a it's a good role for for anybody looking for those kinds of skill sets i think yeah i mean the other thing i'd say like uh, for being a TO, you know, other than like feeling like I'm giving back to the community in, in that sense, it's I love I love gathering people and then seeing people have fun, like whether that's yeah. a tournament event or whether that's barbecue or that's whatever. Like I just I love seeing people like gather and you know chit chat and see people smiling and stuff like that. You know, there's there's so much so much in our world that's just negative and you know social media is a cesspool of nonsense and i'm just like <laughs> you know get me offline and let me meet up with some people and let's just you know let's just talk and have a good time and get out get out of this political nonsense and whatever else is going on in the world and you know just just break bread and have fun right and yeah uh that's that's something that i've been pushing for myself uh you know kind of since the pandemic ended and and then just uh just in the community itself like i wouldn't say i necessarily saw a need but i felt like I wanted to challenge myself too because like i haven't like so i have a tournament that i'm planning to host and at the end of this month on the on monday on the 31st and that's being held at pure esports in gilbert and that's a pc venue i've never done anything like that myself like everything that i've done it's like i've been going to the gaming zone just saying picking a date they have everything the consoles and everything else that i need like i've never run a pc event before so this is something new for me that I've got to kind of test. I want to test the waters out for myself. That and like, it's also been like a transition for me going from a console player to a PC player. Like Street Fighter Six, like I had Street Fighter uh, Five on PC and Four to an extent, but like when it came to playing, like I was always on my consoles, right? I was always on my on okay. my PS4. I was always mm -hmm. on my Xbox 360. Street Fighter Six, I've exclusively been on PC since it started, since the betas since it launched like i don't even have a console set up for this game so i know how it works for me at home and that's great but you know how do i how do i present this to the community itself yeah i i, I and that's like a it's a, it's an ongoing conversation about you know do we prepare for pc or ps5 we actually talked about that on our last show and it's the the challenges of running pc are, are definitely a little bit more i think than running on i don't know actually now i think about it because PS5 kind of sucks. I'll just say it out. Like, like nobody knows how to use the system right now because no one, no one has one. Or like, like people have them, have them, but they were like, as far as like the UI goes, like I don't, I don't know how it works, and a lot of TOs I know don't know either because they don't own them themselves. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I don't know. PCs also has its own difficulties though too, with with all the different tunings and and whatnot, but. I, I would say that the game has done a lot of heavy lifting as far as a lot of the controller issues uh, mm -hmm. that, that happen and pop up. So maybe the world has changed as well, I think, to, to suit your new your new outlook here, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah it's like i i don't know my biggest my biggest concerns is just you know it's always been when it came to pc stuff like my you know my biggest arguments was like scaling that stuff for like a bigger event obviously that's not really applicable to me and like things that i've been doing but it's just like that's that's the problem i see as as a to is just like there's a lot of cost involved with that sponsorships not withholding or whatever but and then like you said you know there's the technical side of things right like everybody has a pc but does everybody know what to look for in terms of like settings and and what needs to be running or what shouldn't be running when it comes yeah. to having a pc setup and having it run optimally you know we have people in the community doing stuff like like uh arturo you know working on this fgcos thing that you know he's hoping that gets off the ground i mean i don't know how well that's gonna how well that's gonna scale amongst the the general people i mean there seems to be uh pretty positive talk about it but it's just like you know i don't know where that's gonna go personally yeah yeah like the tough part about that in particular is that it's it's the sponsors that get to decide that ultimately right and yeah. now we're past we're past grassroots world where we have any kind of influence on that um you could argue even that the players don't have influence on that it's more about moneyed interests mm-hmm. um and you know we're we're in a different we're like i was thinking about this the other day like kind of comparing because everyone uses the word pro a lot right to describe players and like like when we were when we like in 2009 when i started playing people said pro all the time but the reality was there were no professional fighting game players there was nobody who was making a living off this stuff now there are yeah so like in a lot of ways our grassroots community is like the minor leagues or amateur leagues you could argue that like our locals would be like the 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 i guess the pick up and play style and then the regional majors that are still around would be the minor leagues and then uh the the pros all play in the major leagues um yeah because I, I was also thinking about how, like, as far as, like, classes of players go, like, they're, at DTN at least, like, I would play against, I could tell who the best players in the area were, but yeah. then when the people that traveled from out of state to go play against everybody else, like, those people were on another tier themselves, like, Dual Kevin and uh, Mena and Kaba and, and whatnot, like, Idom, like, those players are just on a whole other level because, frankly, they they are paid to do it, you know? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then you have like everybody else. Uh, so, well, then you have like that mid tier, which is like people that can challenge them, but ultimately they, you know, they, they may slip and drown in pools every now and then, you know, they're kind of like, yeah. I call consider them like the minor league players. Um, and then you have the locals that are, uh, just more like, you know, there's still, some of them are learning the, the game. Some of them can challenge the minor league players, but ultimately like it's, those are the folks that I think progress through pools, but don't go into, you know yeah <laughs> uh. so in terms of like what about you because like like you said like you were running you were running events with spiral series and stuff like that back in around 2013 and then you yeah. did that for a few years whether it was bar fights or whether that was that was ran bats and things like that and then um yeah i think towards the end of street fighter 5 uh you had partnered up with abe and you know done like the online desert duels thing when you know the pandemic and stuff was happening yeah i forgot about desert duels that's been kind of a i don't know why i always forget about it because even maynard brought it up the other day uh because he played in one of those desert duels uh exhibitions yeah. it, that was like my chance to play a fight promoter instead um like a different yeah. let's, just since we're playing all these different roles on the on the on the show here <laughs> um and that was like an attempt to keep some of the 
the rivalry and grittiness of the community alive in an online era. Um, yeah. And I think by and large, everybody was pretty supportive of that. Um, it's just that after a while, like it became too, too difficult to like wrangle players down to actually do that exhibition match. I learned a lot yeah. actually about how to, how to treat players as far as not pushing them too hard. Um, if they, you know, if they don't want to compete in something like, you know, I would go and ask, do you want to do this first to 10? You want to do this first to 10? A lot of people would just tell me no. Uh, because they didn't want to be streamed or they didn't want the pressure. And frankly, during that time of the, really? like at the height of the pandemic, yeah. Like nobody, like a lot of people, like we were all like nervous about everything. So I, I kind of yeah. get it in hindsight. Um, but yeah, that's, it, that kind of fizzled out. And then after it started to become safer or I start feel, I start, started feeling safer to, uh, go out and play in locals. Uh, it was just, you know, small venues here and there, pick up tournament at TGZ, and then kind of kept the scene on life support for a little bit. But during that time, I learned so much about what it means to like level up a scene. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I found it in my own way where I there was there was always this argument, I think, from uh, like the Phoenix players and the Tucson players and from different personalities of like, you know, is the scene too soft or like is there or is it better to have like a small focused group of players that are really strong or a big ass scene that uh yeah. that you know it's it's a lot, a lot more casual but you know at least it's bigger um and the skill level may be lower and it's i i kind of i kind of settled on like a weird hybrid approach to that where like i, I did want to focus on i i started focusing more on like a core set of players and mentoring them uh throughout street fighter 5 or the end of street fighter 5 rather and uh yeah. it just i I've, I've done i've done what i could as a to and i found that when i pushed people to enter my tournaments a lot of it was about like hey if the number of entrants is good and the people the players are skilled then i am a, i am successful as a tournament organizer and what I was really doing is was just putting it on the players to make my event successful. Um, and yeah, that in turn, like that didn't necessarily breed high skill or high, like a high level of play for, from the players. It, all it did was just put pressure on them. And so like, it was less about no matter what we had to be welcoming, right? Because the pandemic, yeah. like the pandemic made it. So the numbers were so slim that no matter what we will take anybody and everybody we will train them up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, it, it was a lot about how do you, how do you inspire people to keep playing outside of your events to, to level up? And then because the stronger the players get, the more people want to come out to your events and uh, playing a lot with, with Thrasher Mike, who we've had on the show a couple of times, Helped me a lot. Helped helped me out a lot in Street Fighter Five because I found that whenever a a player in the local scene enters a tournament and places well out of state, and online became like a good avenue for that, it would mm -hmm. inspire players to play and level up more to, to rise to beat that player. Basically, you put a you put a target on your back essentially, and yeah. Like, cause you know, if, if, if I'm like, if I'm training in Arizona and I've got a bunch of like partners, training partners here, and then one of them does well at like Wednesday night fights, I'm like, I can beat that guy. He's my training partner. I actually saw that in the Marvel scene regularly is Armando and Sean would go out and play and they would fuck people up out of state 
And I'd be like, I can do that too, because I can beat Armando and Sean. In reality, I, I wasn't able to do that, but I felt like I could, and that was inspiring enough. And I know for a fact that several other Marvel players felt that way too. And so like yeah. seeing how the scene grew from that was really, really, really big for me because I didn't recognize it at the time. But then once I started seeing it occur again in street fighter five, when like Jordan won Wednesday night fights or I placed in uh Wednesday night fights top eight as well. And then Mike started doing work and flappy started doing work. The scene actually did start leveling up passively to, to rise, to beat each of those players. Um, yeah. And that, uh, to me ended up being a much more potent effect than just being a tournament organizer and pushing people to, to, to get good. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's really was it's just pressuring them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, that's, that's a, that's, a, that's a great example that you bring up in terms of like having the, your players go out and do well. Cause like similar situation kind of came up with, uh, in Alaska when I was there with, uh, with my friend weirdo Neo, like yeah. he went out to Evo 2010 and he ended up beating some of the the socal players uh uh tatsu in general that was playing um uh, i think vega at the time vega yeah um yeah with his jury and you know part of me was super hyped because i was just like yo that's that's one of the guys i play with all the time and then the other part was just like well if you know if he can get to this level then like you know obviously he's like the best player in our scene because of you know an accomplishment like that but then it was also like it pushed me to be like, well, you know, if he can get there, then, you know, maybe I, maybe I could take him down. And then where would I go from there? You know, yeah. even, even if it's just on a local level, it was just like, I've played this guy. I haven't really beat him consistently, but, you know, you, you, you see like what he's able to do and, and you know what you've been able to do against them. And, you, you know, kind of, you put it all relative to like your own experience, really. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that, Again, like with in the Arizona scene, at least there's always a debate on whether or not we're too hard or too soft on on players. But I think the answer is actually it doesn't matter because it's just about so if someone goes out of state and wins, the state benefits from it because people get yeah. hype. People the game like like the game is on people's minds because they're like, hey, I I I live in the same area as this person. Like you just it's like from like a like a football team tribalism kind of deal too. It's just like I live from yeah. I live in the same area as this guy. I can beat him. You know, <laughs> or they, they represent me in a lot of ways. So now I'm hype and I want to play more. And like, it's, yeah, it, that's way, way more potent, at least in, in my mind, as far as like coaching a really strong scene, because at the end of the day, the benefit to that is the stronger the scene is, the stronger the player is. And I'm a player. And so I will benefit from uh, having the scene level up along with me, you know? Yeah. I guess another thing I didn't really think about is like, I think, I mean, at least for me, like there's. So kind of, some there's a little bit of pressure or come some kind of semblance of wanting to level up to to show other people from outside my scene that you know I'm comp I'm a I'm a good player I'm a competent player too right it's not just this person right it's not yeah. just these few people right it's just like we got some other people here too and um, I don't remember what tournament it was but I remember during like the it was definitely before Evo 2011. It was like a SoCal tournament. I want to say maybe like West Coast Warzone or something like that. And Scott was at one of those tournaments and uh, they were talking. I don't know if it was Vaya interviewing him or somebody else interviewing him about who's the who's who's somebody that we should look out for, right? And Scott immediately, like top of mind, 
oh, you guys got to look out for Latif, 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 right? Yeah. And I was just like, I don't even know who this guy is, but I was just like, I knew who Scott was at the time. And I was just like, well, if he's vouching for him, like he's got to be good, right? And then, of course, seeing seeing Latif go go through tournaments and stuff like that and going to, to my first Evo in 2011 and seeing him, you know, get to second place there, that was a kind of eye-opening to me too because I was just like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be coming to this scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, like I I think that that year and a couple of years after that too. Every time an Arizona player did, like there were a lot of people we met at Evo from Arizona that we had never met before locally. Like uh, Luminaire, who you mentioned on the last show, like Mike Prosik, he he was somebody that we met at Evo and we didn't even he, like he didn't know that there was a. Or I think he knew there was a scene, but we didn't know he existed. And he, that's when. He started coming out so it was just like oh, really? yeah and it's like I, I guess we're giving away a lot of his biography episodes someday huh? <laughs> <laughs> but i i think that uh i don't know it's it's just such an it's an interesting interesting phenomenon where just being part of the same tribe and being yeah. tangentially related in the same tribe is enough i think and it's it's not you don't need to run the event. You don't need to like create a space for players to level up in per se. Like that's obviously that still is like really important, but like in my mind, it's, it's simplified very much by if somebody goes out and and wins, then everybody else gets better by proxy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, like you said, like people get a target on their back, right? Like Armando Angelic's gone to Evo and he's got, what, three top eights, I think. And I think his best placing was third. And twice. Yeah. Then that that's huge. Those those are yeah. huge accomplishments in, in any game. And you know, people that are interested in that game, you know, they're like you said, they're gonna come out and I mean whether or not they're necessarily gonna level up, there's gonna be it's gonna garner interest in the scene, right? Because they're just like, Oh, the guy that got top eight at Evo plays in this scene. You know, I wanna play with these guys too and see what this is all about. Yeah. Right. And it's going to bring people out of the woodwork, like you said, like, like a, like a mic or whatever that, you know, maybe was kind of sitting on the sidelines and just stream monstering it up or whatever. Just, you know, they know that there's players out here and maybe they didn't have that interest to come out. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, these guys are really good. You know, maybe I should come out and come out and see what this is all about. Yeah. And, and again, it could be a negative or a positive uh, yeah. angle either, too, too, because it could be like, no, this guy doesn't deserve to be up there. Let's. I'm gonna go out, go out of my way to train to beat this guy. Like there, yeah. there's a little bit of of that. I remember that with Ar- with Armando specifically. Like in in the Marvel days, there were people trying to knock him down off the pedestal, um, just because it was like, oh, it's just Shuma. You know, there was a lot of like discrediting and stuff that happened because of that. And yeah. uh, so, it, you know, at the end of the day, if we look we look back, like that sucks that that happened, but also that the team that the level of play at arizona i believe the marvel 3 scene is uh one of the the highest performing scenes uh that arizona has had um Mm -hmm. i think uh obviously we've got high placers in pretty much every game like i i think i think there's a kinetic clash uh one soul caliber one year um uh uh justin's jam uh in exerd you know, and then all the all the work that Wrath and and Marvin did in Dragon Ball and and Nice as well, like yeah. there's top players in every game, I guess. And there's just different ways to motivate players. But just like in in Street Fighter Six, 
The answer is never one or the other. It's always both. <laughs> you gotta have both. <laughs> the po you want the positive. You want the positive, like team building thing and grow the scene. Uh, but you also want those rivalries and some of that toxicity or negativity that comes with that to to really motivate people. I think and put the target on yeah. the back. Yeah, but and like um, I was kind of just thinking about that since you brought that up too, in terms of like the the mentality or I guess the the toxicity that comes with some of the. I guess the older the OG players and some of the newer ones. Yeah. And I don't know, that's always been kind of a touchy subject for me, just just because like I come from that older era and a lot of that stuff doesn't phase me. Like I'm used to people trash talking, I'm used to whatever, you know, dealing with things like that. And like, you know, I don't wanna I don't know, I guess I just don't wanna I don't wanna look down on like the like some of the newer players and stuff like that. But for me personally, like a lot of it's like I don't see what the big deal is. Like just from just from where I where I come from, right? Like it's it's one of those things. It's like if you have somebody talking trash to you or the crowd's riling you up, like the best way to shut them up is to beat that person, right? And if you don't beat that person, that's okay. You know, just you know, don't take it anywhere beyond outside of the game. Like you know, you know, if you need to walk off and shake their hands or you know whatever, then that's it. And hopefully that motivates you to get better because that's that's what it would do to me right like i would that's the kind of stuff that would like eat me up inside and like i'd want to get better i mean whether or not i get to the point to where i can beat them i don't know but it at least served as motivation for me yeah uh that's that is a can of worms i think that <laughs> i i think that like i think that that's a fair outlook to have i think we had abe on the show a couple of uh episodes ago and it was, it was a lot about like learning from loss right and mm -hmm. and uh i forget what it was like struggling through defeat or something like whatever his handle uh like it was an acronym if i recall correctly um yeah. but uh i think uh it's just that that is one type of learning. That is a one way that it resonates with one specific personality type, I think. And yeah. the scene, I think, by and large, catered to that personality type because it was so small. Uh, grow, like, like we're talking about the 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 eras we've examined on this podcast, like the ST era or the the Third Strike era. There's Third Strike CVS two Alpha era, like yeah. that that style of competition you know that came from arcades that came from uh, uh your generation's style of competition uh and that doesn't in my mind always carry over and resonate with other other personality types or generations uh yeah. diversity like as as far as like what what motivates women to play or what motivates men to play or what motivates different races to play like there's a lot of different ways that you could there's a lot of different personality types and a lot of different ways that it'll resonate with others. And frankly, it'll, it'll do the opposite sometimes and turn people off. Yeah. Uh, I remember that when I think it was, I think it was like right, right before street fighter five dropped, uh, the cannon brothers collectively, like they made a big post about, about how, how we fucked up with street fighter four. Uh, we, as in sure you can did, uh, mm -hmm. and that it, it it was a lot of like it was like hazing in a lot of ways it was like you know you're gonna get your ass kicked when you play with us and that's that's how you earn our respect which is like the you know the 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 competitive mindset that we associate with fighting games but like 
I think we shut a lot of people. We we, we pushed a lot of people away too. Um, for that reason, yeah. like I, I I can I can remember even from my TO days, like people that came to my tournaments and then never came back again, and then I would talk to them months later, and it, they would give me a reason, and it would oftentimes just be because the, the core community was too toxic. Yeah. So, you know, as much as it as much as we romanticize, I think the the tough love and the uh competitive mindset from the arcade era i also think that it limits our options uh, it limits the amount of people that can play and that in turn limits the skill level yeah i mean yeah it, it, uh, the reason that was even on on the top of my mind was that was like the one of the episodes that i just recently listened to like i haven't really gone back and listened to a lot of things and then like i was uh for work i pretty much drive around all night so i was just like you know what? I'm tired of listening to music today. Let me find something else to listen to. And I was like, let me pick up one of the podcast episodes. Like, let me just listen to it. And I was like, is it? Weird? I just really wanted. Yeah, I wanted to listen to the one with Abe for whatever reason. And I was just ah. like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this one. And um, oh, to clarify, like his tag, it was uh, specific adaptation to impose demand. There we go. That's what it was. So, uh, you know, a lot of that episode was us talking about, uh, uh, yeah, different coaching styles and how you know he had he had grown up and you know basically like i had grown up too kind of in this in this era where um you kind of like yeah you berate and you belittle people to to a point to where you have this this kind of hardened individual like kind of a militaristic you know uh i don't know whatever words i'm thinking of uh just kind of style that's very demeaning to people in 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 a lot of ways but it's you know it's intended to to build you up or to tear you down and build you up you know to be better and yeah a lot of that episode was you know kind of thinking well you know this is this is what i this is how i knew this is the the style that i knew yeah and it's you know later i found out that maybe that wasn't what i you know was productive for for other people right it's not it's not the best way for other people to be coached or to learn and you know that's something that's been hard for me to to kind of learn too as as I've grown up and I've had children of my own because right. like, yeah I'm used to that authoritative style right and it's just like nowadays it's a lot more positive reinforcement and it's just like maybe I shouldn't like just yell at them just to yell at them you know maybe I should be like you know every now and then like you got to say hey great job doing this like that's not necessarily something that I heard a lot as a child right like every now and then you know sure but it was, it was really rare. A lot, you know, a lot of it was just, oh, you could be better, or you could do this, or why didn't you do this? And I'm like, I just had a good, you know, I just accomplished something, and you know, you're looking at the negatives already instead yep. of, hey, good job. Yep. No, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the people that I think were pretty, uh, brash and 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 rough back when i joined the scene in street fighter 4 era it was a lot of like you know you're gonna learn today like we're gonna kick your ass and you better hope you can deal with it otherwise don't come back that kind of stuff and a lot of those guys i we've reconnected with on this show and they have softened up because they've had kids the the fatherhood thing i think or the motherhood thing you know like it, it's it changes people like it gives you insight onto other generations and how it how it resonates with other people and, you know, for the record, there's no, like, hard feelings either because it's like we were – in my case, I was in my 20s, and I think a lot of that mindset occurred when, uh, the, like, the, the 
the harsh mindset I think occurred when people were in arcades and they were teenagers mm -hmm. or young kids and stuff like so it's it, it, it it's just like a culture that built up over time that I think we needed a big reset for um but to to the counterpoint to that is that like that does not help uh like the absence of that that harshness uh, that the absence that imposed demand from 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 uh, Abe's tag there, like uh, it does create those spots where you get. Uh, in my case, I get social anxiety from not from being under pressure, and yeah. so uh, going back to the original to and uh, premise here is that like I've actually found that I couldn't handle the pressure when I was in my twenties and and doing and running events and playing. So as a player, I could not, I could not, I could not like feel good about my play because unless everybody else was impressed with it. And then that in turn, yeah. like influenced the style of character that I played. Uh, and it influenced, you know, how I presented myself in tournaments. And ultimately when I started running tournaments, I, I started fixating on the outcome of the event itself as opposed to the outcome of me as a player so in a lot of ways i feel like i actually like i i i hid behind the to role so that way i wouldn't ever have to put myself in that position of being of losing and and being ridiculed or being uh uh discredited as a player so i wouldn't have to put myself in that situation and that i think held me back for so long because it just makes you scared to lose there's people that yeah. hate losing, but there's people that are scared to lose. And those are the ones that I think are holding themselves back a lot. And I felt, I felt that because, because I didn't really take to the, the hazing style, because I didn't really take to having a coach that would be hard on me and putting me through those harsh situations. So I would learn how to deal with them. Yeah. So like, it, there's a yin and yang here. Like you got to have both. <laughs> it sucks, yeah. but you got to have both. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned the thing about choosing choosing a character based on like how I guess other people would perceive that. Yeah. Because I was I've actually been thinking about that for the last two days because, you know, with with six coming out, I've been playing. I I, I started playing Honda first, right, just to kind of get a feel for him and like, and then I don't know a couple weeks in or yeah a week later or something like that I was like you know what I'm gonna play Dawson, and then I was like. I'm having a lot more fun playing Dawson. Like Honda's great. He's good. Like he's really good in this game to start, I think, compared to other games he's been in. And I think he's a great character to play in the game if if that's the kind of style you want to play. But for me personally, like I don't want to play him. And in some ways I kind of got this reassurance from seeing Mike Ross kind of in the same situation because like I didn't I didn't see like the whole clip so I might be missing some context, but I saw I caught a part of his stream where he was just like, I don't want to play him because he's not, you know, I played Honda because I thought he was ass in four, right? That was pretty much his whole thing, right? And like oh, people yeah. didn't think he was good and and I wanted to prove them wrong kind of thing. So the fact that Honda's good now, it's like he doesn't want to play him because he's good. Like he wants to play somebody else. So he's been playing Lily. And I've been thinking about that since, because uh, I was looking for my, uh, there was a, 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 a highlight reel that I made of myself in 2016 uh, when I was playing Dalsim. And that, it was various clips from like locals, from, from me getting out of pools at Evo and stuff like that. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, 
this was the turning point when I've no longer become a Honda main. Like we had a uh, undefeated uh, 2016, and that was the week of uh, Street Fighter Five launch, right? Because that was that was the weekend of the launch, right? Oh, yeah. week, launch week, right? Yeah, and like that. I didn't do good at that tournament. I went one and two. I mean, the one win that I got was the one that was on stream, where uh, I was playing Rick Dog, and he did he was playing Chun Li. He did a slide, and I teleported behind him, and I and I hit him for like basically almost all his life. Marvin and Ernest were commentating; they were getting hyped because like I had hit him with a with a roundhouse that they didn't think what they didn't even know was possible, so they were just like kind of dumbfounded. Nice. And I was hyped because I was just like, I just hit this guy with a teleport; like he couldn't do anything about it. And this was like, I don't know. I was just like, it was just a moment for me where I was just like, I want to play this character, so. And, and, you know, and it's almost like you said, like the, uh, I don't necessarily play him because of what other people perceive him as, but it's just like, I kind of get like the hype watching him do stuff. And I think other people do versus, versus somebody watching Honda per se. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying where at the time Sim was rare and Sim was like, like at the beginning of every game's life cycle, I think Sim is rare because he takes a long time to figure out, right? So you just automatically get that respect. And then yeah. I remember when you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to pick up Sim. And like all of us, like it was me, Scott, and Jeff, I think, who were mainly like in a, in a, in a group chat talking through all that with you. And we we're like, <laughs> are you sure, man? Are you? <laughs> none of us, none of us thought that you would be able to stick with Sim. Realistically, I was just like, no, he's a yeah. Honda player. <laughs> But that's that's what people thought of me too. Is there's they're like he's a vortex player, um, and I, I picked yeah. I picked characters that were specifically hard to play executionally, not because I was uh, ex exceptionally talented at at execution. It, like I I was barely learning how to use an arcade stick, but I thought I would look cool, and I thought people would respect me if I played these characters. And it's like, you know, how how conducive to that is it, to like learning fighting games while also fighting your character um and, and learning all yeah. that stuff like handicapping yourself deliberately for the the hope of approval you know <laughs> that's ultimately what it was and like honda it's the same yeah. deal man it's like you don't want to be known as a honda player because they eat paint <laughs> yeah because yeah, no, I, was, I was thinking about that too when it came to like street fighter 4 right it's just like other than like uh mike ross you know when, when he had his great run in like 2010 and like, you know those years those years around that like the most of the time people didn't care care to see Honda, right? And it was just like there was really nothing nothing hype about seeing Honda unless you saw some guy that could do like hand loops consistently or they did some kind of character specific combo that was like fifty hits and you're just like, yo, what the heck? It's like he just slapped the hell out of Zangief. Yeah. But like those were so few and far between. Like the rest of the time it was just like, uh, it's just Honda things or whatever. And yeah. it's just like not that, that really like affected me in the end because I was gonna play whoever the hell I wanted, but uh, the more I thought about it, like looking back on it, I was like, there definitely was that definitely was a turning point for me in terms of like who I wanted to play, and it was just like you know what I found fun and what I you know what I wanted to do for my own personal uh, for my own personal play style. Yeah. And I actually I told myself I wouldn't ever play technical characters again after <laughs> after uh, I think it was after zero, and then I ended up mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I ended up. I really wanted to like learn footsies and stuff like that. And, and then I ended up playing this Chun-Li in season one of five and it was, she was just busted and I ended up not really learning anything until way later in street fighter five anyway. 
But... Footsies, footsies are overrated. There's no yeah. such thing as <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's been a big debate on Twitter lately in terms of like, <laughs> oh, we wanted Street Fighter and footsies, and then like, I was laughing at all the like the the uh, the the quoted retweets because people would like post like Alpha Three Infinite or Vortex from like Akuma, and you're just like, oh, Street Fighter's always been about footsies and yeah. Vegas flying off the walls, and I'm just like. I was like, yeah, Street Fighter's like, you know, it's like you said, they it's not necessarily like romanticizing it, but it's just like people have a different definition of like what they want out of the game. Cause every game has had has had bullshit in one form or another. And it's you know, it's gotta be at the end of the day, like I've always looked at it as like, Am I having fun playing this game? And if so, then I'm gonna continue to play it. And if not, then I'm not gonna play it. And that's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, I I think that like I, we're kind of tangentially talking about the Men R D tweet, right? About how Street Fighter Six is scrubby, and then and then crossover jumps on oh, it yeah. and says how footsies aren't from, rewarded, yeah. right? A lot a lot of that's that conversation happened, and then everybody kind of chimed in with their opinions. Frankly, uh, the opinion of this happens every Street Fighter. Uh, that opinion is is in my opinion, it's played out. like we we all know that this is this we knew this was going to happen so we can either make a bunch of content like crowing that we knew it was going to happen and this is another way to remind people but also like i do think i do think that it's worth examining like why a lot of these street fighter 5 players feel that way um and why it's different than last time uh, or how it's different than last time because we we all know that when a new game comes out it sucks to suck because you yeah. are you are at the top of your game on the previous game um and mm-hmm. that was the one you like whether it was street fighter 4 or street fighter 5 you know or you know any game really exerd uh when strive came out everyone hated on strive too right um you're at the top of your game and then you have to start from the bottom again and there are going to be people that uh that you could kick their ass in the old game and in the new game they kick your ass because they picked it up faster and that sucks yep. and that hurts the ego and the yeah. things that the new game rewards may seem maybe maybe considered scrubby in the previous game and now you have to cope with that too so like that is like an innate thing that we know we know happens but where a lot of these like particularly mena and crossover and i think a lot of the street fighter 5 players uh are coming from nowadays like a lot of these are pro players and that is different than than when third strike when we went from four to uh, third strike to four, that is different than when we went from four to five, even because these pro players now have a pressure to do well at this game that they don't like. They have a financial interest in doing so. They have people counting on them to yeah. to actually do that, do well. And so it's way worse in my opinion. You have, you have people cheering against you on Twitter. Like, like those, these, so I, I worry about the mental health of some of these younger 20 year old kids for who are sponsored and whatnot. And, you mm-hmm. know, saying shit on Twitter and then getting lambasted by people on the internet, um, by nobodies in a lot of ways, by people that like, you don't, you've never heard of them. They just want to, you know, drop their insult and then walk away. Um, yeah. and so like, it's just, it is a completely different world where like you have people actively cheering against you while you're trying to play a game that you don't like. Uh, that's, that's, that's a lot, I think. And so it, while we can, we can say that that opinion like is, is unfounded in that, like, you know, this happens every game footsies, like there's bullshit in every game. Um, the bullshit 
happens outside of the game now and that there's a lot more money involved and there's a lot more pressure for people to do well and these these younger guys are getting flown around the world and uh you know expected to do well they have the weight and the burden of past experience like they because they were good at five they're expected to be good at six yeah and that's that's a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah well then, i guess i never really thought about it in terms of that sense with the sponsored players because like it is true because like i think there are um games that necessarily they don't want to play but the sponsor you know what's the, the sponsor's objective is to get their name their their face out there right they get their name their sponsor's name out there right yeah and there's an expectation even in multiple games like maybe this isn't a game that you really play but you know they might just be like hey do you play this too uh you know would, would you want to play this competitively and then you enter that and they end up enter, entering that tournament too and you know they they may not be expected to be you know the winner but if they you know if you can make a top eight you know that that's really good for us and and for you yeah. and I, I don't know i guess i never really thought about it in that sense yeah like even I guess I'm going there on this show here. Uh, like the reality here is, I I have won every Street Fighter Six tournament locally that I've entered in Arizona, uh, except mm -hmm. for the 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 uh, one of the launch tournaments. Um, but so there is like an extra. I I feel an extra weight when I play, um, because you know I I am constantly b battling that imposter syndrome of like you know am I actually that good or is it just because people don't know this matchup or like. You know, there's a lot of reasons for why people, I think, would think that I wouldn't deserve that win. And so it's kind of like, it's a lot more pressure, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to Mike about this, where, like, I if if one were to consider me a, a, a the best in the state, and I'm saying this, again, knowing that the, the Tucson tournament occurred last Saturday when this aired, so I may very well, <laughs> like, get my ass kicked and, like, be completely humbled. But like, it. Oh wait, I thought you weren't going to be able to make that one. I it can I can make that one. I'm gonna I'll oh, be the okay. one at the one on two and on Saturday at Tucson. Um, okay. But I like if I. Uh, what am I What am I trying to say here? It's, it's 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 tougher. Like defending a title, I think is tougher than than yeah being, uh being the underdog. Because there's just less expectations, and those expectations factor into your play, and they factor into your mental resilience. And frankly, going all the way back to Abe, that's the kind of stuff that his coach and what he wanted—that's the kind of stuff, the hardships that he wanted to create for people, so that way they could have the resilience to carry that weight. Yeah, uh, Armando always used to use this phrase. He would say um, he put Arizona on his back, and mm. that you know that you could you could you could uh interpret that in so many different ways you could say oh it's because he put like the arizona logo on his on the back of his jersey so he's representing us in another way he's carrying us he's carrying yeah. all the weight of all the all the uh uh the hopes and dreams of the scene and the validation of the yeah. scene you know yeah um and the other side of it is putting arizona on your back puts a target on your back because then even the people in yeah. arizona want a piece of you and want to beat you so that way they feel validated and know that they're strong too um yeah. and that's just a lot i think it's a lot to carry <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's man that's yeah that, that's a that's a heavy burden um and I was, i've been looking at this quote for like the last few weeks in terms of like 
heavy is the head that wears the crown. Yeah. And I was actually like looking up the origin for it, and it's based on like it's from like Shakespeare. And I guess it's been even misquoted, but that's what it's that's what it's interpreted as now. And you know, basically, it's like anybody or those that are uh, charged with major responsibility like carry a heavy burden that is that is difficult for them to relax. So yeah. like you talking about like you know the way you've started in in the local scene in six right like yeah you've won other than the launch tournament like that that's on the thresher one right yes uh, yeah other than that like the other tournaments that you've been to you've won and like yeah it's just like that's that's big pressure and like like you said like being the guy the top dog or being the guy you know the alpha or whatever is a lot harder than being the the underdog and like it it makes me think about situations that i was in like i was never like i think uh i talk about that with on the the show that we had with tanner recently like the only tournament i won in alaska was a five-man play and trade tournament for mortal kombat 9 right yeah i had pressure to do to win there just because i walked in with an arcade stick and i was just like yo what the hell i was just like these are like some casual people that just probably just found out from the store right like i'm yeah. the only person here that probably takes this game like super seriously but i had pressure to win that tournament and i did but then like when it came to like street fighter street fighter 4 at the time like I didn't really have pressure. Like I was kind of uh I'd considered myself like a high mid-tier player in the scene. So like I was consistently around that level, but I could never beat the top guys in our scene who were who were Neo and Shinji. Uh mm -hmm. and there was one particular tournament where I was making a great run and I made it to grand finals to play Neo. And at that point, like I didn't want to feel like I felt accomplished, but at that point, like a lot of the pressure of doing anything beyond that was was alleviated already like i like i was like i made it to this point and at this point like nobody's gonna fault me if i lose because they all expect me to lose at this point right because right. i'm fighting the top guy right like there's no pressure on me whatsoever to lose this match or to win this match like yeah. i can just play and if i win cool like everybody's gonna pat me on my back and carry me around the the venue whatever and if i lose everybody's gonna be like hey man good try and yep. the, there's not there's nothing there for me to lose really yep yeah that's that that's a, that's the a good way to put it is that it's you're playing like you have something to lose versus playing like you have nothing to lose and, yeah or like the saying goes like you know i was playing with house money at that point right like yeah. i really had nothing i had nothing to lose at all right i, had, yeah, I was playing with house money I, I, yeah. I did as well as i was i did i probably would be on anybody else's expectations there and i had nothing to lose beyond that yeah, yeah, that's honestly though, like I, I actually felt myself feeling that way when I made top eight at DTN is it was like once I got to top eight, I'm like, oh shit, I'm feeling like there's no more expectations on me. I'm gonna get soft. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna like and I'm gonna enjoy being on the stage too much and more about the experience and then not play the best. And I think that's almost what happened. I ended up like waking up after a little bit, but like Man, I got I got beat up pretty bad up there, and I a part of me thinks it's because I peaked too early, uh, and I, yeah. I I settled um, essentially. And that's again, that's a kind of a roundabout way to get back to the um, the uh, the 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 Abe thing again, which was like I needed to find a way to put that expectation on myself and then play through it. Um, and traveling uh, was the way to do it, imposing that demand by traveling and then. Uh, you know, knowing that my friends were at home watching me and that I represented them in a lot of ways. And I, you know, 
if they can beat me, then they can go, they can do it too. Like knowing that I could give that feeling to them, like yeah. that that that's the kind of stuff that you have to. It's not that you need to get you need to find a way to remove the pressure. It's that you need to play through it. You need to just carry it regardless. And it's it's training a whole other muscle <laughs> to me right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. I don't know, like, when whenever I see, like, my friends on that stage, like, there's always this kind of, it's like you said, being from the same tribe thing, there's always this kind of, like, sense of pride, like, hey, that's my friend up there, that's my, that's my, that's my podcast partner up there, right? Like, I was yeah. just like, I was actually, like, I had just recently posted it my, in the Alaska group, like, hey, did you guys know I have a podcast? Like, you know, <laughs> beyond, you know, I was just kind of, like, self-promoting it, and then I was super close to, like, resharing it and be like, Oh yeah, just so you guys know, like my friend, you know, my podcast partner is in top eight of Defend the North. If you guys want to watch, here's the stream. <laughs> He's gonna play Meta next. And I was just like, I didn't do it, but I was like, part of me was like thinking about that the whole time. And I was just like, should I do this or not? Yeah, and if if you did like it would have put more pressure on me, um, which I I think I welcome nowadays. And again, to go back to that original theme of like I ran from that pressure to the to role in a lot of ways like i didn't want people to i didn't want to be in the spotlight uh not in like a weird like uh, uh charitable way but more because i was scared of it and i was scared of losing and i was scared of being told that i didn't belong in the community in a lot of ways um mm -hmm. and I, I feel like a lot of new players i think that join the scene have that those same growing pains and eventually they either get really they get through it by getting good and then putting themselves through those situations or they leave yeah. <laughs> and i've seen well, them I mean, leave too it's it's like uh we we talked about touched about this briefly on uh, when we were talking to maynard in terms of like um being on that big stage right yeah. and uh about the the stuff at defend the north with the the in or the in venue projector and that the the, the commentators being being heard uh yipes and lee chung and then you know you being able to see that and you being able to to hear that in the venue and I had brought up like part of, you know, being a competitor in the scene is like putting yourself out there, like good and yeah. bad, right? Like for every, every hype moment, like that mix up that you hit on uh, no need to talk. I was, I was, I was kind of like half laying on my couch and then I sat up and I was like, holy shit. I was like, he's coming back. Right. And he's well, he woke you know, up, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I was like, okay. You know, for every every one of those moments, you have the like the moments where where you lose and like like I like I, I brought up like Twitch chat. Like I was looking through Twitch chat occasionally, and like I think one of the things that made me laugh it was like the Porter John's been flushed, and I'm just like, oh man, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like you know what, what can you say about it, right? It's just like you know at that point, like you were you were out there, and you know win or lose, like people were gonna have their opinions about how you played and how you played against Meta. And, yeah. you know, that was one of the things that came through in the chat that I just started laughing about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, like, you got to put yourself, it's hard to put yourself in those situations. So in some ways there are benefits to like what, what Abe was talking about and, you know, whether that's exhibition matches or uh, being put on stream, like we, we talked about the, the fact that uh, Maynard was doing those money matches right at the, on Friday. Yeah. And I thought about going. And part of me, like you were talking about, like, oh, we should do it online or do it whenever, right? And the more I've thought about it, I was like, I don't really want to do that online. Like, if I'm going to do that, like, Ooh. I want to be at the venue, like, right? Yeah. I want to be there with people there and, you know, just whatever, just hearing stuff in the background. 
And if I'm going to put myself in that situation, I don't want to be sitting here comfortably in my, in my home. And then like win or lose, just close out the game and walk away. Right. Like I want to be there in the, in the moment and be with, be around people. So. Yeah. And like, you know, we talked about, you know, putting pressure on people and, and whatnot. And like, that's essentially what I did on the last episode. I was thinking about that when I, when I was editing the episode the other day, like I was, you know, listening to myself talk and being like, man, am I, am I pushing Benny too hard right now? And to hear, to hear that it, it did end up resonating. Like I got lucky there because that, that, that's, I, that style, I know for a fact, I've actually pushed some players away by putting too much pressure on them. Um, yeah. So it, it's like, it, it just resonates differently with people. Um, but, or alternatively, people don't have to go through that. They don't have to impose that demand on themselves because they don't have to be a top player. They don't have to be a high skill player if they don't want to. Um, yeah. And it like, pressuring pre pressuring people into doing something they don't want to do is probably like the worst thing but yeah if you can sense that they secretly do want to do it and they want to be there in person to beat up Maynard <laughs> then it's, it's a good fuel I think <laughs> well, it's not necessarily that I mean I don't I honestly don't know how that I mean I think he'll do he'll do well regardless it was just more like if I'm going to put myself in that situation like I don't want it to be like the desert duels and me being at home kind of thing like I want to be yeah. at the venue because I you know I've participated in a couple of the bar fights thinking of uh you know we've been talking about able lot and like the first bar fights i went to it was me versus chiron and chiron chiron literally had jeff sitting next to him like coaching him and i had invited a friend out from you know he lives out on the west side and i was like hey you want to come check this place out to you know and it was almost like that situation where um who are you talking about uh oh at defend the north like the, the one guy that had like his family there right and uh and like, yeah, it was the same kind of situation. I invited my friend out and I was like, there was a little bit of pressure on me to win because I was just like, well, I just invited my friend out. I don't want to like lose in front of him. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I ended up I ended up winning that. But then like on the opposite end of that coin, like um, I ended up playing Tyler in a in a bar fight later at, um, what was that place? Uh, Growl Grids and Growlers or something like that. Um, uh, in Mesa. Place. Yeah, the yeah, that place in Mesa, yeah. The Grid. And like... I played him over there and I got destroyed and, yeah. you know, and part of it was just like, you know, that was on me for like, not really prepping about it, but, you know, props to him for, you know, calling me out on all the, all the bullshit that I was trying to pull off on it. And again, that was, that's just for me, that's just part of the, part of the, part of the game, right? Like I'm putting myself out there, win or lose. And regardless of what, people on the stream or people locally are going to think about it like i had to be the one willing to put myself out there being in this being in this environment yep i think that i i have a kind of a, a this is a big one um i think that so you know when you when you pull up the character select screen on street fighter 6 right not that many people do because everybody plays online but on the versus screen the guy starts rapping and the the lyrics are actually pretty much about i, I think one of the, the opening is like i've been a failure i've been a success something something about diamonds uh, i'm like a diamond i shine under pressure right and mm -hmm. i think that something that set the genre back and set, set has set the community back is that we have romanticized salt um and what i yeah. mean by that is that it's like it's okay to hate losing it's okay to 
to be angry for losing. It's okay to complain on Twitter and to 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 not respect your opponent. Um, and you know, in every video game, there's a, there's a little bit of that, no matter what, no matter where we go, right? But yeah. I think that one of the things that fighting games do that other games don't is they put it all they put so much burden on the player they put so much pressure on the player because you can't you can't blame a team you can't you ha you can really only blame yourself you blame the character you blame you blame your character you blame your opponent's character you play you blame the game before all that before you blame yourself <laughs> yep that's but what i said <laughs> yeah and it, it's hard though so like everybody's putting that some degree of pressure on themselves at all times and, yeah. and so you, you hate fucking losing. That's that's ultimately the, the what what the community is kind of in, ingrained. Uh, it's ingrained in the community. It's just hate. You hate losing. And I found, particularly during the pandemic, that I learn more from my losses than I do from my wins. Um, mm -hmm. And so, if we if we change how we feel about losing, and we put ourselves out there and be willing to lose then we become better in the long run and we become better overall. And that's not like a, a switch you turn on and off. That's not a like, like, you know, there are some players that I'm still like, oh man, I really don't want to fucking lose to this guy. And I'm like it. I, so that makes me less inclined to play them at, at times, you know, like yeah. everybody's got some degree of ego there. But I think that, I think we've romanticized salt too much as a community to the point where it's detrimental. If you can't take an L it's detrimental. If you can't, put yourself out there and let your ego get bruised and let people make fun of you for, for sucking um, and not be able to, to roll with that. Um, yeah. And I don't, for street fighter six, the tone of the game in general is all about the struggle, like the world tour mode, the, the lyrics in the, in the, in the, in the character select screen. Like it's about, it's about recognizing and acknowledging that loss is part of the journey and and getting your ass kicked is part of the journey and that's what makes you fucking stronger and i think that yeah. that is a is a tenet for just living life in general um and so I, I i i feel like having the stones to actually put yourself out there and face getting your ass kicked i think is more important than going up and beating on people that are less that are less skilled than you are yeah like this so the like you bringing that up it like it, it really it's, it's something that i've thought about for years because like i follow a bunch of different sports like uh and in boxing uh floyd mayweather was a big sticking point with a lot of people in terms of whether he was the best ever like that's who that's how he uh promoted himself was the best ever he retired undefeated and he constantly promoted himself as being well nobody could beat me you know you know uh being a big proponent of the zero on his record right and people like a lot of society twitter whatever that's like their their that was like their biggest argument well nobody was able to beat him i was like well i mean you know i'm not going to get into the topic of when he fought people or whatever but the fact of the matter is is he really put himself on a pedestal because of that zero and if you look back in the history of boxing there's really only been like one other person that was undefeated that was ever talked about as, as a heavyweight, uh, Rocky Marciano. Everybody else that you've heard about in boxing has lost. Muhammad Ali lost. Mike Tyson lost. Every other fighter in the world has lost. And 
part of their stories and part of like the their legacy is how did they bounce back from that loss, right? Yeah. And Mayweather romanticized this whole zero and I'm undefeated and blah blah blah. So anytime somebody lost, like it was just thought of like, oh well, they're washed up. And I was just like, what? I was just like, there have been plenty of fighters that have lost multiple times and have come back and you know become better. Like there yeah. was a there was a British fighter, like a heavyweight fighter, Lennox Lewis. Like he went into this fight against a heavy favorite, right? And he lost his belt. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, he didn't train. And he was like, you know, he kind of, he had that, I was thinking of like that, that whole like sitting up in your chair, like, oh shit, I just got my ass beat. Let me get ready, right? Yeah. So he rematched that guy and like he trained his ass off and he dominated the guy the second time and they never fought again. But to me, that was like a defining part of him was him getting back up from that loss and proving people like, hey, I'm still that guy, right? Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't go through undefeated and it's, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a constant thing in sports with like the LeBron and Michael Jordan debate and people talking about that because LeBron's lost what six finals now, I think, or something like that. People look at his losing record and I'm like, well, how many people didn't even make it to like grand finals or the championship, right? Like, yeah, you know, would you be, would you be more happy going to grand finals and being, you know, going four and six in your career than to never make grand finals ever? Like yeah. I'd be happy getting second place six times. Right. And if I, if I went to a major, but to people like they just look at it as well, he didn't finish the job. He didn't, he didn't, you know, get the championship. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, it's, it's a big, it's been a big thing in sports and like, yeah, I could see that in the FGC too. It's just like, you know, if, especially if you're winning, right. Like you get, you get taken off that mantle and all of a sudden people are just like, Oh, he's washed up or Tycho's washed up after he, who go double perfect sim at Evo and, you know, you know, those kind of situations. And I'm just like, well now, you know, I'm more intrigued by like, well, what's Daigo going to do next? Right. You know, how's he going to come back from this? Yeah. It's, I I don't really, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a lot. I, I just, I feel like maybe, maybe it's, it's human society in general, like that we, we romanticize winning so much that we belittle losses and, you know, like you can easily tell who's a true competitor and who isn't based on how they talk to you and how they, how they treat their losses. Um, and I'm not, this is not us saying like, you know, go out there and get your ass kicked by everybody and then be, you know, be, have toxic positivity and that there's, you're always going (laughs) to, by losing, you're going to get better over like, like, like you still have to put in the work, um, from the loss. But as far as like ego strength goes and being able to take in new ideas and to evolve your play, it's way easier to do it from a loss and with an open mind on a loss. And when you're accepting of the outcome of the game, because frankly, there's just people like a lot of that, like salt crap, it has nothing to do with the opponent or like the actual game itself. It's a lot of times it's just this person expected an outcome, whether that expectation was realistic or not as a whole or question, but that outcome didn't occur and that's Mm -hmm. it. So they wanted a specific outcome. They didn't get it. And now they're mad about it. And we get to, you know, farm CPM for it, or we get to, you know, we get to see, make drama out of it on Twitter or anything. And everybody gets to make a big deal out of it. We get scrub quotes, tweets on it, on it and stuff. And everybody gets to dunk on this person. Um, and in reality, it's, it's like, well, this probably, I don't know, maybe it's like a, it's a benefit of hindsight, uh, an age 
maybe we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I, like, so earlier today, like I had I hadn't played six in probably three days, two three days, right? I've just been busy with other things, had other things going on, right? So I decided to jump back in the jump back in the ring. Yeah. And um, where did I? Where am I at? Right? I'm at diamond two, so I'm at like twenty thousand two hundred points, right? Yeah. And you know, I was I was I was feeling I was I was feeling good, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go in like. Maybe we'll hit diamond three today. And I don't know if it necessarily went on a losing streak, but I was losing a lot. And I was just kind of like, I, I went up a couple hundred points and then I was kind of like going back. And then I was like, I was looking at my points and I was like, I'm at like 20,240. I was just like, I'm about to be demoted. Like, what the hell? And like you said, like, I, I started to, to think about like, you know, there was definitely, you know, some, some semblance of salt there. And I was just like, oh man, I can't believe you did this or blah, blah, blah. Right. But at the end of the at the end of the day, I had to think about it. And I was just like, why am I losing? And I had to put myself in that situation and and put hold myself accountable. I was like, well, I'm losing because I'm not doing this, or I'm allowing them to do this to me, and that's why I was in this life deficit situation in the first place. Yeah. So I've got nobody else. Like just like you said, like in fighting games, like you got nobody else to blame but yourself. I can't be like, man, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Like I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. That's on me, right? <laughs> I didn't execute this combo. I didn't. I didn't anti-air this this jump in, or I didn't I didn't choose the right option, you know, when he was when I thought he was gonna throw it, I got shimmied or whatever, right? Sure. So that's all on me. Like there's not there's like there's not a lot of necessarily competitive games like that, um, unless you think of like you know one on one Call of Duty or something like that. But I think the probably the biggest one would probably be like StarCraft. Like that's the only yeah. huge one that's like one on one that I would think of. A lot of the other games that are that are esports and competitive are team based. So yeah. it's just like again, like it's on you, and it's just like if you played, if you've ever watched StarCraft or played StarCraft, and it's just like if you get overrun, it's like oh, it's because I didn't uh, what they call it APM, like your actions per minute or whatever, with your mouse and your keyboard and stuff. Like yeah, you didn't have the micro. Like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Yeah, your micro wasn't good enough or whatever. And I'm just like damn, man, like that's all on you. Like you got nobody else to blame. You didn't. You didn't click that mouse fast enough, or you didn't queue up these <laughs> SCVs fast enough. You need you need more Vespian gas. Like you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, got, you got pylon locked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, all on me. Yeah, you fucked up, and that's really yeah. hard to face at times uh, to to own that because it's easier to blame the opponent. Um, it's easier to blame your character for not having the tools to prevent you from fucking up. When in reality, <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, but it's a, it's, no, it, was, it was a good session for me overall, though. Because like, yeah, I think I still there was still a net positive, but like, uh, part of me, the other thing I kept on thinking about was the, the whole thing with uh, something that uh, Scott said recently about you know getting master rank is uh, you know it's it's not as big of an like, accomplishment, and I'm like, oh, man, yeah. I'm struggling here, and I'm like, yeah, I might have a lower win rate, but this the the climb that I'm making for me personally is a lot more difficult than than it's been in a while. Right. Like I haven't I've had a lot, a lot more I've had a lot more of a difficult time grasping this game and getting comfortable than I have in basically almost any fighting game that I've played. I've played against people that want to try to zone, which I think is stupid against me because <laughs> my floats float directly. Per, like I've, I've got my spacing perfectly to where those go directly underneath my float. So if you throw it, yeah. I'm I'm behind you already. Right. And then the ones that give me trouble are the ones that are just trying to do these drive rush combos and rush me down. And I'm just like, what is it my turn? Like, I don't know when it's my turn. <laughs> and those are the guys that give me trouble. Yeah. And then, but, and then also to his credit, like I see his point too, especially like 
I think the placement thing, uh, I think you brought that up in, in a tweet or something like that. Was, the placement thing is is a big thing too, right? Like there's a, uh, there's two sides to that because it's like, do we start everybody from the bottom and then we just get the whip on all these people at the, at the iron and the bronze ranks as we, you know, as we hurdle over them because we're way beyond that level. Yeah. Or, you know, the downside to that is that if you do really well, you get thrown in the diamond, which is basically putting you right on the cusp of master. So I, I see where he's coming from exactly in terms of like, well, if I get put in the diamond, you know, I've only got 5,000 more points to get to get master. So that hill in itself is like you're getting a head start. And then once you reach there, like there's there's nothing else to go beyond at this point. Yeah, I, I it, there's a lot of different ways you could take this this ranking system because even even like to be clear i also played ranked for the first time in several days today because i've been traveling and recording podcast episodes and been really tired and jet lagged and all this other stuff and uh i got my i got my ass kicked uh over and over and over again yeah and so like you know me mr top eight to defend the north you know, I can't lose to no. I got I got fucked up by like <laughs> by a Dalson player, by a Marissa player, by like, and then the game kept matching me up with more and more Dalson. So I was like, oh, they they know, <laughs> they, know <laughs> they know I'm an imposter. So it, like that's and and I actually walked away from that. Like I did the thing that you did, which is I thought about why I lost, and you know now I'm at the point now where I think I understand enough about the game to not have to fixate on a specific mechanic that I didn't use or anything like that, but more yeah. that I knew that my mindset going into it was wrong and that I expected to be better than these people because I had won, uh, at a, at a major, uh, I had won, I had won, won, uh, made top eight at a major, whether yeah. like, obviously that, like, if you say it out loud, that's a, that's a fucking stupid idea, but that's the ego talking as I was like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm better than these master players. These, these people have 10,000 less points than me. I'm way better than they are. Like, that's not true. None of that's, you don't yeah. know. Nobody knows. Like Chris, Chris Tatarian, I think he's favored to win Evo. Like he's got less points than I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I realized that like I, I was approaching it. My, my actual like introspection was, Oh, I played too many long sets with people at DTN, and I've been so focused on long sets because that's like the top player thing to do right now is to do run long sets, run long sets. And now I'm like, mm. you know what? I think I actually need to run two out of threes more often because uh, I these people are are, are have cleanly executing ga- ga- game plans that have flaws that I can exploit, but they're ha- it's happening too fast, and I'm not adapting fast enough to actually. Yeah beat these game plans and so i need to put myself in that blender more often i need to lose to this shit more often uh so that way i can cover up that 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 weakness of mine that's been exposed today yeah i mean you talk about having a target on your back i mean your your cfn is the same as your name that you used at dtn so i'm wondering if there's anybody that was just like oh it's porter john that's the guy that got top eight at dtn i mean even locally there's people that are like oh i want to kick his ass now yeah, <laughs> like it's a, it's a it's a way you can like people people want to validate themselves through that, and I I I get that. Like the scene, somebody has to lose for for somebody else to win, and yeah. uh, I think that that's part of the job at this point. That's part of the the responsibility. It's part of that weight that we were talking about carrying. 
yeah i guess we'll see like whether we see twitter clips or youtube and just like hey i just be a port job <laughs> yeah i don't I, I don't think i'm i don't think i'm there <laughs> by no means i like i i definitely like i think i'm the hometown hero right now but like no way no way or uh my hollywood yet <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's been a good time yep cool well any any closing thoughts for the show here benny um really other than i guess i i could promote my uh tournament that's on july 31st that is at uh oh, yeah pure esports in gilbert arizona uh we're running pc setups with 144 hertz monitors um the plan is to have a head-to-head setup since we have the room there um i actually was planning to go there um in a couple days and kind of test everything and set everything up see how things were going to go uh I did find out that the, the venue's AC went out today or yesterday, so oh. that should be fixed. I mean, if it's not fixed within like the next week or two, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, if it's I'll a keep PC, my... if it's a PC cafe, like, can they even open? Because the computers would overheat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, just the, the venue in general with people in there—that would be too much, especially yeah. here because it's been, it's been heat wave here. It's been like one ten and above, like for like a week. It sucks. <laughs> yep super hot here in arizona well you can find us on youtube at youtube.com slash spiral series twitch at twitch.tv slash spiral series and by searching on apple podcasts and spotify for absolute guard uh this has been the absolute guard podcast uh i'm Porter john and there's many oh, we're doing this new outro thing i'm trying it out i don't know if it's working out so well but... <laughs> Hey, uh, you got the you got the the spiel right though. <laughs> I did interrupt. get the spiel. Yeah, that one I actually <laughs> did. Like, we're getting there. We're getting there. Anyway, have a good night, all. Take care. Yep. Later, guys.